In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Let me admit first that one of the weakest point in us is lack of evangelism. We don't actually know how to evangelize to others. Also, I have admit that some other religions and other denominations teach their youth how to preach. And we who have the sound doctrine and the true faith we are lacking this. So tonight I'd like to speak to you about evangelism in general, its importance, and how each one of us should be an evangelist or a witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. Especially the Lord before his ascension, he told all of us, go and preach the gospel to the whole world. So God gave us the gospel not to keep it to ourselves, but to preach to the whole world. Also, he said to us, and you will be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So, what's evangelism? Evangelism is preaching the gospel to others. And the word gospel, I don't mean gospel of Matthew, gospel of Mark, gospel of John, gospel of Luke, no. I mean the word gospel in itself means the good news, the joyful news. And we need actually to share this joyful news of salvation to everyone. To say to everyone, God became man, died on the cross in order to save you. Because God loves you. There is a place for you in the kingdom of God. God purchased this place by his own blood in order to redeem you in order to give you new life, in order to give you eternal life, in order to save you from the death. That is the gospel, the good news of salvation. So, evangelism is to preach this good news to others, to tell them about the redemptive work of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is difference between evangelism and teaching, although both of them have the same foundation. Evangelism mainly for the non-believers, but teaching is for the believers. Evangelism is how to let the non-believers accept the Lord Jesus Christ 
and believe in him and to take him as their savior, their king, their redeemer. Teaching is explanation of the doctrines of faith. So actually, after you preach to the non-believers and after they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will teach them the details of faith. You will teach them the creed. You will teach them in depth about the sacraments, about the Holy Trinity, etc. Evangelism in the scripture, not only in the New Testament, but also in the Old Testament. For example, we saw Jonah went to Nineveh and his message, repent. Just a very small message, repent, because God will destroy your city. Everyone repented. Also, Noah, when he built the, the ark, it took him 120 years. And St. Peter, in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 5, he said that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. During this 120 years, he preached righteousness. He preached repentance to the people, but unfortunately, no one listened to him. John the Baptist, when he started his ministry, his ministry was one sentence, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The Lord Jesus Christ, when he started his ministry, he actually used the same sentence that John the Baptist used, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Why actually we should preach? The answer, we can find it in the book of Acts, chapter 4 and verse 20. The apostles said, we cannot but speak the things which you have seen and heard. We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So, because we have seen God in our life, and we heard his beautiful and joyful news of salvation, we want to go and preach everyone, to share the, if with everyone the good news of salvation. Let me give you an example, but also with a big difference about if we compare it to evangelism. For example, if you know a new mall opened and there is sale in it, you like actually to go and share with your friends. This new mall opened and there is good stuff there and there is sale. Go. So if we share this news about malls and sales, shouldn't we share the news about salvation and eternal life? So in order 
for me and for you to be evangelist, we need to have faith. And we need to know our faith. And the most holy faith as was described by St. Jude in his letter. When St. Jude actually described the faith, he said the most holy faith. Because any, any belief system, we call it faith. Any belief system. But there is heretical faith. There is unholy faith. But our faith, as St. Jude described, he called it the most holy faith. Also, when we go and preach, we should not rely on our wisdom but we should rely on the wisdom of Christ. As we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 17, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, not with the wisdom of words, personal wisdom, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Uh, And verse 19, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. And then St. Paul is questioning, can or could the wise people of the world could they save the world? No. In verse 20 he said, Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. What do you mean by the foolishness of message? Because people in Greek, they were very wise. Greek is the, the city of wisdom and philosophy. So when they told them God became man, consider this foolishness. And God died on the cross, consider this foolishness. But through this foolishness, God saved the world. Of course, it's not foolishness. But what was perceived by the wise people of the world foolishness, God was able to save the world through this foolishness. Verse 24, 25, because the foolishness of God is wider than men. What we perceive as foolishness, it is wider than the wisdom of the wise. And the weakness of God is stronger uh, than men. Verse 27, For God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. So, here actually, we should not rely on our wisdom. And St. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 gave himself as an example. He said, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech, or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. He did not come with any word wisdom. Verse 4, 
and my speech and my preaching were not with the persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Why I am saying this and I elaborated on it? Some people will say, how can I preach? I don't have the wisdom. I, I, I don't have the word. Don't rely on your wisdom. Rely on the wisdom of God. Because as the Lord told us, at that moment, God will give us wisdom that no one can resist and no one can uh, stood against us. And, and we saw how these fishermen, very simple people, may be ignorant according to the standard of the world. How God gives them wisdom to stand before governors and rulers and witness for uh, uh, Christ and the kingdom of God. Read the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John was written by a fisherman. John was a fisherman. He did not actually study philosophy. He did not went to Greece. But his Gospel is a deep theologian book. Until now, actually, many scholars do PhDs in the Gospel of John. And until now, many people could not understand the depth of this Gospel. Where is this wisdom came from? From God. From God. So, you need to have strong faith sound doctrine, the most holy faith, you need actually to have the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of God comes from where? Come from your personal relationship with God. When you have a personal relationship with God, God will fill you with his Holy Spirit and will, will be filled with wisdom. Also, we need to be faithful in delivering the message. And there is a reference, it's easy to remember, because it has three twos. Second Timothy, chapter 2, verse 2. Second Timothy, chapter 2, verse 2. He said, And things, the things that you have heard from me. Paul is saying to Timothy, Among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So we need to be faithful in delivering the message. Sometimes when we preach, we give our own personal opinion. This is not faithfulness. You are just a deliverer of the message. You are not a composer of the message. So you need to deliver the message of God to the people. Don't compose your own message. Don't compose your own doctrine and preach to the people. So we need to be, to have the most holy faith, have uh, the heavenly wisdom, personal relationship with God, and also faithfulness. Number five, we need to be ready to carry the cross of evangelism. Actually, as evangelists, you will have challenges 
you will have difficulties. You may face attacks, oppression, persecution. And some evangelists like the apostles were martyred. That is the cross of evangelism. Yes, there is a cross, but there is glory and there is heavenly inheritance waiting for us. So, as the Lord said, if you want to be my disciple, deny yourself, carry your cross, and follow me. So, these are five essential things if you want to be an evangelist. The most holy faith, heavenly wisdom, personal relationship with God, faithfulness in delivering the message, readiness to carry the cross and to follow the footsteps of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are also other things that help you in evangelism. For example, you need to know with whom you are speaking. For example, if you are speaking to an atheist, this is totally different than speaking to agnostic or speaking to a Jehovah Witness or to speak to a Mormon or to speak to Buddhist. So you should know with whom you are speaking. And you should study his faith, his beliefs, the doctrines that he believes in. Uh, sometimes when we talk to others without knowing uh, what they believe in, sometimes innocently we say something that creates resistance in them or objection in them. They don't feel comfortable with what we are saying to them. That's why we need to read a lot and to study them a lot, to have a clear picture about them. So when we speak to them, we speak to them from their own perspective. St. Paul, when he went to Athens, he spent a few days in Athens to study the culture. And he visited even some temples there. And when he visited one of the temples, he found an idol, and they wrote on this idol, unknown God. So he went to the Athenians, and he started from this unknown God, and he told them, I know that you are religious, and you worship God, you worship your gods. But there is one God I found in your temple. You call him unknown God. So this God whom you worship, but you do not know him, this God, I know him. I will preach him to you. It's very smart. And this is actually heavenly wisdom. How he, he used their culture and their understanding and their doctrine 
as introduction to his preaching. St. Paul, when he preached to the Jews, he used many references and quotes from the Old Testament. But when he preached to Athens, Athenians, he did not use one quote from the Old Testament because they don't believe in the Old Testament. But he quote one of their poets that what they understand, that what they know. So if I speak to an atheist and tell him the Bible said so and so, he will not listen to you because he does not believe in the Bible. That's why understanding their background is very important. For example, St. Mark wrote to the Romans. And Romans, the Roman Empire, they were men of war. And they magnified power and strength. That's why in the Gospel of St. Mark, St. Mark emphasized Christ, the powerful king who has authority, spiritual authority. Because that is the language they understand. They understand the language of power. So he introduced to them not physical power, but spiritual power. Not earthly authority, but heavenly authority. And actually, for the evangelists, some are full-time evangelists. They dedicated their life completely to the work of evangelism. Or sometimes they are part-time or they dedicated part of their life for evangelism. But, yeah, some people, they travel either to Africa or to South America in order actually to take, spend one month, two months, or some several years in evangelism. But we need actually to evangelize, as the Lord said to us, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of it. What's Jerusalem? It is here where we live. Here we are surrounded by many people who actually don't know God. I heard this morning in the announcement about many services Abuna is planning to do to the homeless and uh, to people who are sick. And and these are wonderful uh, services. But I want to differentiate between just a charitable deed and evangelism. Charitable charitable deeds or philanthropy go and help others. But evangelism, with helping others, you introduce Christ to them. So I don't want, with these all beautiful services and ministries, just to be a charitable deeds, to be philanthropic uh, activities. No, I want this to be evangelist, evangelism. 
So while you are serving these people, introduce Christ to them. Give them the good news of salvation. Give them that Christ died for them and loved them. He secured a place for them in the kingdom of heaven if they believe him and followed him. Especially you are the children of St. Mark. Mark came to Egypt and preached to the Egyptians about the good news of salvation. And at the conclusion of the Gospel of St. Mark, we read in Mark 16, verse 15, Go to the whole world and preach the Gospel to the whole creation. So, if we are the children of St. Mark, we need to apply this verse. And we need to go and preach, preach the gospel. All of you, in every divine liturgy, you say, Amin, 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 your death, O Lord, we proclaim. Your holy resurrection and ascension to heaven, we preach. Don't you say this? So are we lying to God? Or truly, we are going to preach. Evangelism can take so many forms. So many forms that each one of you can do. The easiest form is just a word of mouth. You can speak to others about Christ. You can give them the Bible as a gift. You can give them Christian book, spiritual book as a gift. You can invite them to one like this youth meeting. You can bring with you one from your work, one from uh, your school. Ask him to come with you. So there is actually preaching through word. Through word. I remember one time I was in San Antonio and you visited the church in San Antonio. It is on a small road. Now it is four lanes. But at that time, about maybe 15 years ago, very, very small road, dark road. Uh, yeah, yeah, It's scary, especially in the middle of night. And I was going to the airport sometime around four in the morning. And there is one gas station in this road, <laughs> nobody is there. So I stopped at this gas station to fill the car, and there was another car. And yeah, to see someone dressing like me in four in the morning, you know, can be scary. <laughs> but I found lady in this car walking toward me and I said oh how brave this lady is <laughs> so she came to me and told me are you Christian I told her yes I am so she told me one second and she went to her car and brought a magazine and came to me and gave me the magazine and she told me uh, would you please read it? 
and she left. And this magazine was the Jehovah Witness magazine, Watchtower, something like this. So this lady, four in the morning, was not uh, shy or scared to approach a stranger dressing totally different than regular people, you know, to preach and to give me the magazine in which she believes in. I hope one day we will have this courage and this zeal to share the good news of salvation with others. You can have with you some pamphlets, some booklets about salvation, about your church, and you can share it with others. And you can share it with others. Another form of evangelism is by example, by your example. The Lord told us, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your God who is in heaven. So, when actually we walk according to the commandment of God, our light will shine before men. Then, when the people see you and see your example, they will want to follow your faith. As St. Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12, having your contact honorable among the Gentiles. Gentiles means the non-believers. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers in the beginning, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Day of visitation when they believe in God. So maybe at the beginning they will speak about you as evildoers. But observing your good works, then when God moves their heart, visits their heart, and they believe, they will glorify God in you. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles, that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in their visitation. Unfortunately, nowadays, we hear exactly the opposite. You know, when parents say to your children, don't do this or don't do that, because it's wrong, the common answer that the parents hear these days, oh, do you believe that the deacons or the servants in the church that you see here worshiping and praying, they don't do this? No, they go to bars, they drink, they dance, they do this and they do that. Where is the example here? Where is the example? How 
we apply this verse, let your conduct be honorable before others. When you are faithful in your school or in your work, people will see the difference in you. And they would know this difference because you are Christian. Because you are Christian. Also, you need to be ready to answer questions if you want to be evangelist. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 15, St. Peter says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always, always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. So if I ask any one of you right now, why are you Christian? Why you are Orthodox? Do you have an answer to this question? If someone asks you why you are Orthodox, can you answer this question? St. Peter is saying, always be ready to give a defense. You need to defend your faith to everyone, to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's in you. Of course, when you ask, you answer, don't answer in arrogance or in pride, but in meekness and fear, as St. Peter said. In meekness and fear. One of the beautiful verses in Sirach chapter 5, verse 18, Sirach, one of the deuterocanonical books, or the canonical books that were omitted by the Protestant. Sirach 5, 18. It says, uh, in Arabic, لا تكن جاهلا في كبيرة ولا في صغيرة. Don't be ignorant in something major or something minor. The English is a little bit different. Justify the small and the great similarly. Justify is it's the same meaning. You defend. You should be able to defend. Don't be ignorant in small or in great things. You, you need to be ready. You need to have a defense to justify the small and the great things similarly. Uh, I am not saying you should be like a theologian. I'm not saying this. But you need actually to know the essentials of the Christian faith. And you should be able to give a defense, a convincing defense for the questions. But in the case you don't know how to answer, at least you know how to refer the person who is asking you 
either to refer him to a servant or to a priest, or to refer him to uh, certain websites, trusted websites, that can answer this question. For example, if somebody asks you how you believe in Trinity, you should be able to give a simple answer how you believe in Trinity. But if he needs more details, you can actually be able to send him links like the oration of St. Gregory or yeah, uh, St. Athanasius or St. Cyril about Trinity. Something, you know, to help him to read more if he, if he wants more uh, detailed. Another point, and unfortunately, uh, this point is totally absent in, in many, many websites or social media, is the way you respond. Sometimes people, when they respond and defend their beliefs, they don't respect others. They curse others. Uh, they attack others. So how can you defend Christianity while you are attacking others or cursing others or putting others down? This in itself say that this person doesn't know Christ. Because if he knows Christ, he wouldn't do this. We need actually to watch the way we answer. And when we answer, we need to answer as St. Paul said, St. Peter said, in meekness with fear. Because we love everyone. Yes, maybe we disagree with their belief system. But we need actually when we talk to them about their belief system, we talk with respect. If you are lacking respect, you will never bring these people to Christ. Christianity is about love, peace, humbleness, respect. Another point, you need to know the personality of the person with whom you are answering or discussing or trying to preach. Because with some people, you need to avoid them. Some people actually, they come and ask you, not to to seek the truth, but just to argue. And sometimes the truth is very clear, but they they are disputers, and they, they just want to argue and argue and argue and argue. St. Paul told us, these discussions are unfruitful. And you need to avoid them. And you can see sometimes in their argument, they curse, they attack, they hurt. They are not respectful. 
So we should actually, we should not talk with these people because they are not seekers of the truth. They don't. We need to pray for them that the Lord may move their hearts. And when they are ready to come and ask with intention to know the truth, then we can speak uh, with them. That's why in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 6, that's the Sermon on the Mountain, the Lord told us, do not give what is holy to the dogs. Dogs in the Bible means the non-believers. So what is holy is about communion. So don't give communion to non-believers. Nor cast your pearls before swine. Swine in the Bible refers to non-repentant. So Peter, St. Peter in his letter said, as a dog returned to his vomit, and a swine returned to the, the, the mud. So dog returned to his vomit, an unbeliever who believed in Christ, then, so he vomited the wrong, the wrong religion. Then if he returned back to his wrong religion as a dog returned to his vomit, and a swine returned to the mud, after repentance, he returned back to the old sins. So he said, the Lord told us, don't cast your pearls, the good news of salvation, before swine, before people who are not repentant. Why? Lest they trample them under their feet, they will attack what you are saying and turn and tear you in pieces. So we need to be wise and to know with whom we are speaking. Also, we can use the, the social media or the internet as a place for evangelism. But we need to, to use again godly and holy methods. Uh, for example, you can uh, publish articles about Christianity, about salvation, about uh, the differences between different denominations, why I am orthodox, you know. So people can learn and benefit from these articles. Uh, in this way, actually, you can help in spreading. And now social media can reach millions of people very, very easily. Uh, also, you can put an article like the infallibility of the scripture, inspiration of the scripture, authority of the scripture, uh, existence of God, uh, why you don't believe in evolution. All these uh, matters uh, or subjects that actually many people are confused about these days. And of course, if you want to preach to a different group, 
speaking different language. For example, if you want to preach to uh, people who speak Spanish, you need to, to, to study the language very well in order to be able to preach to them in their own language. In the beginning, I differentiated between evangelism and teaching. So, you need also to be ready to teach. As I told you, evangelism is just bringing them to faith in Christ. Then, you need actually to teach them about the details of Christian faith. Doctrines, sorry, sacraments or mysteries. The creed, the Nicene Creed, you need to be able actually to teach it to to others. Uh, so when people they tell you why it's important to be baptized, why it's important to take communion, why they say it is real body and real blood, can you answer these questions or not? And in order to be a teacher of faith, you need to be a disciple. You need to study the Word of God. You need to study spiritual books and theological books and dogmatic books in order to know the essentials of faith. Also, some people will come to you with existential questions. And you need to be able to answer these questions. For example, what will happen after death? Who I am? What is the purpose of my existence in this life? Uh, About how we were created. So all these existential questions, you need actually to know the answers of this question to be able to do your work in evangelism in the right way. Also, don't be quick in in, uh, accepting people or or just tell them, okay, now you already go uh, talk to Abuna to be baptized. You need actually to make sure that they know the essentials of faith. Also, to develop a personal relationship with God. Because Christianity is not just uh, like uh, a science, you, you study and you take exam in it. No, it's a relationship with God. What is the point if he, can, he knows everything about the Trinity, everything about salvation, everything about sacraments, but he doesn't practice these, these things? So it's very important, besides answering their question, that these people develop a personal relationship with God. Because that is the ultimate goal of becoming Christian. To be bride of Christ to be son of God the Father. So the goal is not only to teach them about Christianity. 
But the goal that they may know God and be in a personal relationship with God. When they know God, then the truth will set them free because God is the truth. That is the ultimate goal, that they may enjoy their freedom in Christ. Let me conclude by a quote from St. John Chrysostom. He said, Don't say that you cannot influence others. Because as long as you are Christian, it is impossible that you don't have influence on others. Because you have the Holy Spirit in us. This is actually the essence of Christianity. So if you say you are Christian and you cannot influence others, there is contradiction. That's what John Chrysostom is saying. He continues and says, as if you are saying the sun doesn't have light. So if you are Christian, this means you are light. How you say, I am Christian, but I cannot enlighten others? If you are Christian, true Christian, then you are light to the world and soul to the earth. Then you should enlighten the life of others and have influence on them. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. You can be evangelist. You can change others through the grace of God. Don't undermine the gift that you have. Don't undermine. Peter, when he was filled with the Spirit, he was able in one sermon to bring 3,000 persons to God. It's not the words of Peter, it's not the personality of Peter, but the Holy Spirit in him. And you have the same Holy Spirit that worked in Peter, in Paul, in Mark. We have the same Holy Spirit. So, yes, we can go and preach. We can go and evangelize. We can go and bring people to Christ. I hope each one of us take this uh, lecture seriously. And each one of us turn to be evangelists in order to bring this good news of salvation to everyone around us. And glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.